Continuing our family series, and today we're talking on mothers, and I contemplated very long and hard about who to have share today. Actually, I didn't. It came to me real quick, and so um, I asked Mary if she would share, and so Mary's going to come, and Mary's going to share on mothers. <laughs> Thank you for the vote of confidence. I appreciate that. You know, a lot of the Gospels said grace and mercy from our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, that is, that is so wonderful that they said that because we need grace and mercy every day of our life. And, you know, that's just a greeting to the church, and you are the church. I um, thought that I would share my testimony first today because my testimony is really part of being a mother. And fortunately... I came to the Lord in the midst of becoming a mother, so they kind of coincided. But I was in my, um, I was like 23, and I'd had my second child. And, you know, I, my whole life I just loved going to church. I thought church was the best place there was, and I loved going there. And my parents weren't real active, but they made sure that, you know, I always got to church. And um, I had great people in the church who encouraged me. And um, you've probably heard Ron say before that his dad was one of my Sunday school teachers, and I thought he was a great guy. So I thought, well, maybe Ron would be a great guy too, you know? So that worked out good. So I um, was like 23, and I had a, a cyst on my ovary, and I had to go to the hospital, and I was I was in pain like I'd never been in before. You know, I was only 23. Life had been good. Things had gone just like I wanted them to go. And f I was in this situation where I was in this terrible pain, and I had surgery, and then I was in worse pain. And I had this roommate that happened to be from the home church that I grew up in. And she actually shared with me about being born again. And, you know, I thought, like, you know, I really do need the Lord, you know. I think this pain kind of brought me to my senses. And, you know, I accepted the Lord when I was in the hospital. And that was the beginning of my journey. So I just had two little girls. So I had a relationship with the Lord before I had done much child-rearing. So, you know, I, I loved, I, I mean, I liked Bible before, but I tell you, when you get born again and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, your hunger for God's word just increases tremendously. And I don't know if it was because of maybe the call that God was going to have on my life to be married to this pastor, but I had an insatiable desire to learn God's word and to walk in his ways. And you know, this week, you know, we lost Billy Graham and I just loved hearing all the testimonies about how Billy Graham affected so many lives. Now, he wasn't the the cause of my salvation, but I surely did listen to Billy Graham. I think we've all listened to Billy Graham. And Ron and I were actually counselors at a Billy Graham movie when we were back in the Lutheran Church. And that caused kind of a stir that we would go and get involved with 
Billy Graham because we didn't really need to be born again. But, you know, we went and did that, and we learned how to share salvation with people, so that was a good learning tool. And I remember once we went to one of his crusades in Columbus, Ohio, because he was in his 70s at that time, and Ron and I thought, man, he's getting old. We better get to one of his crusades before he passes on. And, you know, then he goes and lives till 99. God just keeps using him. So that gives all of you hope that God can still keep using you. So how wonderful it is that, you know, he's part of our life and that there'll probably never be another person like him. They say that there's never been a person that has reached as many people as he has because he uh, came, he was on the, um, you know, television. That's when he's, he, he was always on the edge of technology. So he was always there to do whatever he could do to share the gospel. And that's really our job. Whatever we can do, wherever we're at, to share the gospel. So I believe that as a mom, we are a great gospel share. And I also believe that if you aren't a mom, you still work in that role, whether you are or not. Because if you're around other people, other children, you work in the role of a mother. So I also want to make the statement that there is no such thing as a perfect mother and perfect children. So don't feel discouraged if some things have gone awry because we uh, all have those things happen in our life and God can, can redeem anything. So I thought that maybe since mother's main role is to love their kids and to train their kids, that we would look and see um, an example from God's word and how he dealt with this subject. So we're going to go to Genesis 1.27. We're going to go right at the beginning and get a little foundation. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created him, them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That scripture, those scriptures are so good because it tells us that God created male and female. It's not our decision to decide whether we're a male or a female. God created us just the way that he wanted us. And that takes care of a lot of issues in this present age. If you have that foundation that you are who God created you to be and who he wants you to be. And he also blessed the couple and he said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. You know, that's a command of God in marriage to be fruitful and increase in number. So it's a command for married couples to have children. Of course, there's always exceptions to that. There's couples who can't have children. But that's God's perfect plan, that the reason we have couples is so we can have children and we can increase the population on the earth. Genesis 2.18 says, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I'll make a helper suitable to him. This is the first time that a negative assessment occurs in Genesis. Up until now, everything has been assessed as good. God did not want Adam lonely, so he fashioned a helper comparable to him. And this helper would be truly fitting and fully adequate. Don't you wonder what it was, what marriage was like before the fall? Like, did Adam and Eve ever disagree? 
you know, did they just get along about everything and they just, just enjoyed themselves? They didn't have any kids to contend with, you know. It was just them and God. So I thought, wow, I wonder what that was like. Well, we'll never know. So we'll forget about that. Okay, we know that they certainly had their free will and Adam and Eve were responsible for their decisions. Woman was man's helper to Adam. And you know, uh, in our society too, sometimes it's very demeaning to be described as man's helper. And then I discovered that the word helper in this verse is the same word that's used in describing God when he comes to our aid. In Psalm 33:20, that's not on the PowerPoint, I just added this, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. That's the same word that God uses to describe a woman as being a helper to a man. And also in Psalm 115.9, it says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So if God is willing to be our helper, certainly us women should be willing to be our husband's helper. And if husbands were real, they would say that, yeah, they can't get along without their wife. They really do need her. She's a great help to them. So women, we have a high status. We're the the helper to the husband. God created Eve to be a wife before Eve became a mother. So I thought that was kind of important just to get that background that, you know, first we're a wife before we're a mother. This all gets real intertwined. Sometimes it's hard to hard to separate because, you know, we're a wife, we're a mother, we got kids, we're a family. Okay, what's our role here? If there's a problem with the children and the husband and wife are at an impasse, the husband has the responsibility to make a decision and it is important for the wife to support the husband. So here's a here's an instance where, you know, I'm a wife but I'm a mother, and I have these kids that I truly adore, and, you know, sometimes I get get accused of loving the kids more than I love my husband, but, you know, I would explain to him, the kids, they need me. You know, I feel like you don't really need me, even though he probably does. That would be my my viewpoint. These these kids, they just really need me, you know, and I got I to protect them. So I will say that we had an instance once in our family where um, Ron and I, you know, we don't always agree. We do have our own opinions, but we try to come together and come to a resolution, and I'll tell you, once we get on the same page, watch out, okay? So, you know, we we have our own free will. We have our own ideas about things, and we we just kind of hash them over until we're we're done hashing, you know? But sometimes, you know, one, one instance I can remember, I just didn't think like my husband did. And, um... It was kind of a major, major thing, okay? And you know what helped me get through it was I knew that God's pattern was that I needed to submit to my husband. And even though I disagreed with him in this matter, I needed to do what he wanted me to do and get on the same page that he was on. And so sometimes we can have those conflicts in our family, and especially with a mom. You, you, you want to side with your kids sometimes more than you want to submit to your husband. And I really thank God that he's given us a pattern so that we can go back to that and say, okay, how is it that God would have me handle this situation? And, you know, it all turned out all right. I have another good example of that. I have this friend. And she, their child had done something, you know. 
And so the husband, he calls the wife and the, the child into the room, and uh, they talk about the situation, and the husband says, and you won't be doing that anymore. And the wife's eyes go, oh, really? I mean, she had no idea he was going to make this pronouncement, you know. And she, she was just utterly shocked. And it was really great because she just went along with her husband's decision and didn't, didn't disagree with him in front of the child, and they became, you know, unified in what happened. And then afterwards, the husband talked to her, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't talk, about, talk to you about this beforehand, but this decision just came right out of my mouth. He said, I didn't know I was going to say it either. So, you know, to keep peace in the family and to keep things running smoothly, it's really important that we have some kind of order. And us as moms and wives, we have God's word to help us figure out what it is we're supposed to do. So, in Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth, very severe with painful labor, you will give birth to your children. Of course, this is after, after Adam and Eve have done the bad thing they weren't supposed to do. I didn't go into all that. I just came right down here to the consequences. So the woman gets pains in childbirth, and Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of of all living. And of course, you know, the man, he got his consequences too, but I'm just talking about the woman today, okay? So moms carry out the majority of training and discipline in a child's life. So, you know, mothers love and we train, like I said at the beginning. And, you know, dads do train. I'm not saying that dads don't, but, you know, moms are generally the ones that are with the kids most of the time. And so we do most of the training of the children. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, if I was a young man and I was looking for a wife and I thought God's principles were pretty important, I think I would look for a mom or a wife that I thought would train my children in the ways of God, if that's important to you. Then you better look at what is that girl's faith like? What's her walk like? What's she going to teach my children? Are we going to be in a agreement about these things, because life is hard enough even when you're in agreement, let alone being totally in different places in your life. So, of course, then, you know, Adam and Eve, after the fall, they have kids. So now life's getting a little more complicated. So Adam and Eve, they have Cain and Abel, and each of them, Cain and Abel, each of them brought an offering to the Lord. And, of course, as the story goes, the Lord accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And if we went into that, we would see that it was because there was a difference in their hearts. And we must remember that God's always looking at our heart. He doesn't look at what we do outwardly, but he's always looking at what's in our heart. So there was a heart problem here. So Cain was very angry that his offering was not accepted by the Lord, and his face was downcast. Now, when kids get angry, they do get a downcast look to them. And I had just a recent experience with that. In school, I had this little second grader, and he had been disciplined on the playground. And by the time it was reading group time, he still wasn't in a very good place. I could just see it on his, on his face. He was downcast. 
And I asked him, I said, well, are you still angry about what discipline you received on the playground? He said, yes, I am. He said, it was totally unfair, totally unfair, you know. She told me to put on my coat. It's warm out. I don't need to put on my coat. She said, I had to put it on the fence. I know where my coat's at. I don't need to put it on the fence. And so, you know, I had to explain to him, well, it doesn't really matter what you thought. Your job is to obey the teacher on the playground. Even though you might have thought it was unfair, you have to obey the teacher. Well, I said, are you, are you still, oh yeah, I'm still angry. He says, you know, I, I moved here from North Baltimore and I had a group over there and we protected each other and I had to move over to the school. I've only been here two weeks. My, my dad's in jail and my grandma just died. And so this little kid, he was full of anger. And he probably had nobody in his life that was going to walk him through all these hard things that he was experiencing. And, you know, as a, a teacher, you, your, your effect is very minimal, especially, especially if you're just a substitute teacher and you're in one day and you're out the next. But, you know, I can still pray for him. I remember his name, and I'm going to pray for him. And that God would send other people in his life that could share his love and and just minister to that little boy because he's angry. I thought, you know, he's he's a criminal ready to happen if nobody gets a hold of this little boy. So you can see it really young in kids. So God, you know, he personally dealt with Cain when Cain had killed Abel. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if God just came down and took care of our kids for us? You know, he told, told what was going to happen. He's going to take care of this, and we don't have to deal with it. So what a unique situation that God, he just steps in and takes care of Cain and Abel, okay? So, you know, he asked the question, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And he says, you know, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So, you know, God's saying, you know, if you don't deal with this, Cain, you know, things aren't going to get better. You know, things are going to get worse. And so when we train our kids and we see anger in them, we, we have to deal with that. We have to talk to them about it. We have to pray with them about it. We have to have a conversation that is can be called a fearless conversation. I was thinking about this, and then last week in our Wednesday night kids material, it said... One way kids can experience God's love is fearless conversation. Fearless conversation means kids can speak openly without judgment. That's what I tried to do with that little boy. I wanted him to express to me why he was angry and why he was looking so downcast. I didn't want to just get after him and tell him to shape up and ship out, you know? That doesn't, that doesn't get any place with people. If you share your heart, kids feel like their thoughts and doubts are welcome. And, you know, I did feel for that child. I felt bad for what he had experienced, but I, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't solve all that at the moment. But at least he was able to share how he felt. 
So we can see that anger is a very dangerous emotion that moms must deal with when exhibited by a child. It's interesting that God does ask Cain while he's angry. It's good to deal with your child in a kind and calm manner and see if you can get your child to share why he is feeling this anger. It's good to explain to your child that anger is an emotion that must be dealt with. The scripture about being angry and sinning not is a good verse to share and explain that all of us get angry at times, but it's what we do with the anger that's very important. It takes time to share with children and not just ignore what's going on in their life. Moms need to pray with their children about the problem at hand. The child's heart needs to be changed, plus your example of prayer teaches the child to talk to God and see him as the one that helps them do the right thing. Being a mom is one of the most important callings in this life and full of responsibility in training a child for life. Too many times moms try to be their child's best friend instead of being a parent and training them to be able to function in life. That is what God told Cain when he says, you need to do what is right or sin will overtake you. Now it's evident that Cain did not deal with his anger as his anger reveals his decisions. Genesis 4, 8 to 17. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Oh, another question. Where is your brother Abel? It's always good to ask questions because when you ask questions and you have a fearless conversation, many times your kids will tell you what's inside of their heart and they won't just try to tell you what they think you want to hear because you can't get down to the root of the issue if you don't hear your child's heart. So Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Does that sound familiar? That's not my fault. What, what are you, why are you asking me these questions? Cain didn't really answer the question that God asked. How often do children do this by changing the subject or saying something totally unrelevant, like my brother made me do it? The Lord doesn't give up, and he doesn't give in, but he gets back to the subject at hand. The Lord knows exactly what happened, and he knows Cain's heart. So he passes judgment about Cain's action. Always remind your child that the Lord will show you what happened, and they cannot hide their actions. So the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and you are driven from the ground. It will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So when Cain doesn't comply to what needs to be done, God gives a sentence. Moms have to give sentences to their kids because you're saving their soul from hell when you do. You're teaching them in the ways of the Lord and you're showing them the right decisions to make. So when Cain hears the judgment, he argues that the Lord has been too severe with him. That reminds me of a child starting to cry when mom passes out the consequences of his actions. Never let tears or a temper, temper tantrum affect your decision. 
If you do, you're in for a miserable future. Once a child knows he can manipulate you, he will never stop. He will also try to manipulate every adult he disagrees with. So that becomes part of his character. He's a manipulator. A lot of times manipulation and lies go really close together. If you're going to manipulate, you probably need some lies to go with it to do a good job. So Cain says, my punishment is more than I can bear. So he's not very happy with the consequences of his sin. And, uh, you know, Cain killed Abel and he didn't have a gun. So, you know, guns aren't the problem. It's a condition of our heart. So he, I don't know what he killed him with, a stone or beat him. I don't know. But, you know, it's the condition of our heart. If we have anger in our heart and we have an angry generation, we're going to have killings going on. And for the first time, I really noticed that people and parents are getting really concerned about the safety at school because it's becoming so rampant. And they've seen it happen in small schools, so they know that we are not exempt from something like that happening. So I really thought it interesting when Pastor Ron Wednesday night talked about this is part of this could be part of God's judgment on us that we are actually just killing each other he doesn't have to do a thing we're destroying one another and that's the worst worst kind of judgment there is when we go after one another and you know even though God gave a punishment to Cain um, and Cain said it's more than I can bear the Lord, you know, the Lord was merciful to him. He says, the Lord put a mark on Cain so that anyone, oh, no, I, I got to go back a little bit. Um, I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. So that doesn't that show a loving God who, despite what Cain did, he said, if anybody touches you, my vengeance will be seven times more. So to me, that just shows God's love and his mercy. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's interesting, we really don't know what kind of mark he put on Cain, but somehow he was marked so that anyone would find him, they wouldn't kill him. Many times, children need to have a consequence for, the action, for their actions, but they also need to know that they are loved by their parents. And I think that whole story shows that in God, how he dealt with Cain and Abel, that he, he, uh, he had uh, a way to do things, if you transgress, there is a consequence, and yet he shows his mercy in Cain. He could have just wiped Cain off the face of the earth, but he didn't, you know. He, he kept Cain around and let him live his life. <clears throat> Being a mom is truly a blessing from the Lord. His children are a blessing from a marriage. You will always be their mom, no matter how old you get or how old they get. We would have never thought that our 40-some-year-old daughter would need us as she did when she contracted Lyme disease. And yet, the Lord gives us hope in such situations. 
We look to him for healing. We look to him for encouragement. And he gives endurance to get through. And he gives us that no give up attitude. I saw a really neat little um, post the other day. And it said, I admit it. I'm the kind of mom that loves to hear from my kids every single day. It means the world to me. And you know, it's interesting to me to watch my grown children with their children and see them experience that. Like, you know, the kids leave home and all at once you got this empty nest. And, you know, for the mom, I don't know, that seems harder for the mom and the dad. I don't know, the dad must like the quiet and the lack of activity. I don't know. But us moms, we just put our whole life into our kids. Like Ron and I always said, we don't know what happened really was going on in the world when we were raising our kids. We were just into raising our kids, and we actually, I mean, we loved it. We loved raising our kids. It's just, it's one of the best times of your life if you're a mom. But, you know, then they leave, and they go off here and there or whatever. And, you know, I heard my one daughter say the other day, you know, I can't believe what joy it gave me to be able to see my kids this weekend. And I thought, wow, she is experiencing that. You know, the joy that kids give back to you when they leave and you get to see them. You never get tired of seeing your kids. They get better, and when they, after they leave home, they get better and better, I'll tell you. So, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, children are born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So the more kids you have, I guess the happier you are. I don't know. I'd have to ask some of these people with more kids. I know Pam. She's pretty happy. <clears throat> you know, when you're a young mom, you can't imagine being a grandmother. Plus, you don't even have time to think about it. I never thought about being a grandmother. That was so far off, you know. Ron always said all oh, that. I already said that. Okay. Make memories with your children. It doesn't take money to make memories. So don't compare your activities with other families. You know, comparison is one of the worst things you can do. And you know, when you're raising your kids, everybody has an opinion about how you should raise your kids. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but they say, well, if they just do this, they turn out all right, you know, or if they do this, well, you know, well, it just doesn't always work. Well, anyway, we raised our children on one income, and we had great memories. We had fun playing games together. Our grandchildren still come over and play games. You know, we had fun going camping. You know, we tried some of those educational trips, and if those work for your kids, go for it. But our kids, they just weren't interested. They'd always just want to go back to the campground and, and swim and play. I don't know. We just couldn't seem to get them educated very well. So we kind of gave up on that. And they can do their educational trips when they're adults. I don't know. So... Teach your children how to resolve conflicts so you have peace in your home. And, you know, I will say we had peace in our home. Probably, mainly a lot of that comes from the father. He doesn't tolerate it. You know, if he doesn't tolerate arguing and conflict, and if you don't work things out, you know, okay, if we got this conflict here, how are we going to solve this, you know? That's really important to do because kids have no idea how to resolve conflict if you don't do it with them. You know, they go out in the world and they just, they just fight and use guns or whatever to resolve their conflict. Anger, guns, you know, words. I mean, the words kids use nowadays is, whoa, whoa. Okay, it takes patience on a parent's part to work through the problems, but you will be imparting skills that will help your child the rest of your life. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
You know, we've all had our stories of you've trained your kids up in the church and in the word, and they just go somewhere. They just kind of rebel against the whole thing. I remember Billy Graham, he, he wrote a book on coming home. It was about his prodigal son. Billy Graham, you know, of all people, he had a prodigal son, so be encouraged. You know, um, God, he didn't do so well with his first kids, you know, so, you know, be encouraged. We all have our problems. It'll get, it'll be all right. But, you know, he tells us when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise of God that we want to hang on to, okay? I always had a magnet hanging on my refrigerator. I'll read it so I make sure I get it right. But it said Proverbs 15:3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Our children were always surprised when we'd find out things that they did. Now, there were some things we didn't find out, but we did find out a lot of things. And we had one child that we especially needed God's wisdom with. So your children will gain a sense of fear of the Lord when the parents gain information about them. And you know, that one about train up your child in the way it's, he shall go. You know, I have a brother who's just really walked away from the ways of God. And, um, you know, that, that scripture, man, I'm claiming that. Man, my mom, she was really upset when she died because she's still worried about this, this one son she had. You know, but I'd say to her, Mom, you know, it's not over yet. Just because you're gone doesn't mean doesn't mean it's over. God's heard those prayers, and, uh, you know, he, he has some brothers and sisters that pray for him too, you know. So it's not over until it's over, okay. We especially had a great opportunity to spend so much time with our grandchildren. That doesn't happen for everybody. Some, some kids move far away, and some kids don't have kids. You know, our circumstances are all different, and um, you've got to take the circumstances that God gave you and do what he wants you to do. Don't compare yourself to other people. You know, that's one of the most dangerous things that you can do is compare yourself. God made you the way he made you. He put certain giftings inside you. He has certain people that he'll bring into your path. Like, it's so good today to see some people here that I haven't seen for a long time. But they were in my path at one time. Here they are again. How wonderful. So you don't know what God's going to do. He's got a grand design, and we're just part of that big grand design. So, you know, when we had our grandchildren, since I had them a lot, I took care of them a lot when their moms worked. I mean, when their moms went to work, I thought, oh, brother, you know, this has got to be the detriment of these children. All mothers should stay home and raise their children. That was my mindset, you know. So they go off to work. Well, they just give them to me, you know. I thought, well, probably nobody will love them more than me, you know. I, I care about them a lot. So I thought, okay, Lord, I'll stay home and I'll take care of my grandchildren. I think children are important. I'll, I'll, I'll do this, you know. And so, you know, I always treated my grandchildren just like I would my kids. I didn't, I wasn't out to spoil them and make them brats. I was there to train them just like a mom would and make them good, good kids for God, okay. So um, my philosophy you know, it never changed. You know, if it was good enough for my kids, it's good enough for my grandkids. But, you know, we had a lot of fun with our grandkids. And I'm sure they'll never forget their time in our home. You know, you only have certain times in your life where you get to do certain things, and then it's it's over. You can't go back and do it over again. It's, it's gone. It's over. 
And, you know, grandparents are just a real important influence in our culture today. It's so different than it used to be. Grandparents have a lot more influence. Some of them even raise their grandkids, especially due to the drug culture. I mean, I can't believe how many kids in school I hear, my mom died from drugs. Or she could have died from something else. But, you know, when I was a kid, I never heard anybody's mom dying from drugs. I mean, I, I didn't know about drugs. So, you know, our culture just keeps changing. And we have to be aware of our culture and what's going on in the world around us so that we can speak into the lives of these kids. And, you know, it was Timothy's grandmother, Eunice, that had a great influence on him. Such an influence that he worked with the Apostle Paul in ministry. You don't know. You might be raising the next pastor, the next evangelist, the next prophet. You don't, you don't know what you might be raising because they come from little places like Nazareth and Wayne and Bradner. You know, some of these kids, they, they end up in high places. I can't help but be amazed at um, Samuel Brown, who was Pastor Eric's son, who, you know, was raised in our church for many years. And he's working in the White House. I think, wow, working in the White House. Who would have thought a little kid that we had in our church would someday work in the White House, you know? And, you know, I can't wait to someday hear of the experiences that he's going to have. You know, he got to talk personally to Donald Trump, you know? I, oh, well. So anyway, you just never know what God's going to do with your life. And he's always there to redeem your life and to use you in a mighty way. And I'm telling you, even after your mom is gone, you'll still hear her voice. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that. Oh, I know what my mom would have said. And you're always going to hear that voice in your head. You need to hear God's voice. But if mom's speaking what God would speak, you're really going to hear her voice. You're never going to forget. And, you know, my, my little wayward brother, well, he's really older than me. But anyway, when my dad passed away, um, my dad said to him, I don't want you going to hell. And my brother has never forgotten those words. Every once in a while, he'll bring them up. So if you speak what God wants you to speak, those words will ring in people's heart until this life is over. They'll not forget them. That's why it's so important. We we're, we know what God's word says. We know how to how to treat people, how to talk to them kindly, how to talk to them with love, and still sometimes having to say the hard thing. And you know there are things that God doesn't reveal f to us through instruction, but only in the adventure. So when we step out. And we do what God wants us to do. That's when many times we learn about God's ways because we can't read it in a book. We got to get out there. We got to start doing it. We got to start sharing with people. And you know, the heart of this church is to share with youth and kids. That is just really a, a deep DNA of us because kids are very impressionable. They, they will listen. They will, they, they need it desperately because some kids aren't getting any instruction. They don't hear anything at home. They just hear the opposite. They're yelled at. They're, they're told they're stupid. They're not worth anything. So when you are in a kid's life and you speak the very opposite, they are very attracted to that. God's love is a drawing love. 
So if you're a mom, I encourage you to keep on going, keep on doing what God's called you to do. Never feel like it's an inferior role. It's the most important role there is because you are forming kids for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being able to share today and being able to share about how important mothers are. And, and Lord, we all use these concepts in, in areas of our life. Lord, I pray for the moms who, who maybe are discouraged, things haven't gone well, and, and you're, you're just discouraged. Sometimes we get discouraged. So Lord, I pray that you would, you would encourage them today, Lord. I pray for any mom who's just disappointed in their kids. They're disappointed. I pray that you put hope in their heart. Hope that you are the one that can redeem the things that are good, the things that are bad. You're a redeeming God. I pray that you just fill moms with your love today, Lord, that they have an increase of love in their heart toward kids and towards other people, Lord. I pray that we as a church, we just be, have an increase of your love and a desire to reach out and touch and, and bring hope and, and life to those around us. Oh, Lord, use us as you would want to use us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, anyone has a need for prayer, we encourage you to come up and let Tom and Pam and Rose and Jim pray with you, whatever that need might be. Uh, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that uh, that word would penetrate our hearts. And the Lord, we would uh, be faithful to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we just thank you for being with us. Just watch over us. Just uh, be with us, Lord. Just help us to see, to see children. There's so many that are hurting. So, Lord, just help us to see them and to be willing to share with them. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.